Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the program tonight. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. It's cold. It's very cold. It's very cold. And uh, we have the possibility of rolling blackouts uh, here. So, on the off chance that we lose power and the stream dies, um, then it's, it's not any particular... Uh, alien entity or anything like that uh, taking over anywhere. It's just um, the power company has decided to uh, do their thing. So uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks very much for joining us. I already see a lot of uh, activity in the chat there. Mazers, Robert, hello. Uh, don't see a whole lot of other people yet, but uh, it's it's early. And yes, uh, Dallas is a mess right now. I just... Uh, uh, talked with Leslie Walker earlier, and uh, it's 10 degrees down there, and uh, her house is dark. She said, you never, you never quite realize just how, how dark your house can get until you're only using candles. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, years ago, before I moved to Kansas City, probably, what, 2000 and, was it 2004, 2000, and, maybe it was the winter of 2004, 2005, giant ice storm hit Wichita. Yeah. And it knocked out power over a significant chunk of the town. Um, and it was out for days. And uh, I tried to hole up in my apartment with my cats. Um, and then I packed up as much as we could possibly pack up and drove over to my parents' house, who still had power. And... It was like all the kids had come home, my sister and her family, and <laughs> and you know, uh, but yeah, this is the the KC, and of course the folks down in Dallas. We're we're you know, generally speaking, you don't get this kind of weather down in the Texas area. No, uh, and so my my sympathies and uh, hope you guys are hanging in there down there well and i had every uh, everywhere south it's dealing with this kind of cold right now yeah no kidding well and i and i talked to my mother uh she said every county in the state of texas is under a severe winter warning of some sort and it's the first time that's happened in i don't know how long uh i saw somebody had posted that it's been snowing in del rio texas which is on the border to mexico mm -hmm. uh so yeah it's it's rather Rather well, and it's crazy. nationwide. I mean, so the, the, one of the things we're seeing is that this is pretty much hitting a significant chunk of the U.S. right now is going through really, really cold weather. And there are places where it's not. I mean, there's, you know, you have plenty. Of, there's a few places that it's like, oh, it's very nice outside. And I'm good for you guys. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, everybody out there who is dealing with cold, um, we stand in sympathy with you. Yes. Well, and I... Um... I remember, uh, uh, what was it, 2017, I think, or 20, yeah, 20, well, was it 2017? When did we have that big blizzard in February? That was 2017, wasn't it? That sounds about right. Yeah, I had uh, I had um, decided uh, to be a little bit bold and daring and venture out in the midst of the blizzard and to get some footage you know, because, you know, who doesn't need uh, stock footage of blizzards? So Right, sure. So, course. yeah. Um, it does look like we're having a little bit of signal drop, some lag here. Uh, reason for that, at least, at least tonight, the reason for that possibly is cold, but also the fact that we are broadcasting to YouTube and Facebook like we normally do, as well as our Twitch channel. We reactivated it. And we've been talking, we've got our, all of our, everything is back sort of up and running over there on the Twitch channel. We still have our 76 followers. They never left, which is good. Um, but, but it also indicates that they never paid attention to what we were doing. They didn't know we were gone. So, okay. 
Um, but it, it it came up today uh, that we've got our affiliate marketing uh, stuff back, our, our affiliate partnership back over there on Twitch, which means that we're able to do watch parties still. And it was suggested today during Live from the Bunker that we do a watch, a watch party for Battlefield Earth. So we'll probably have to do a watch party for Battlefield Earth because I've never seen it. I never sat and watched it. I didn't have any interest in it. It looked, it looked, nah. Well, that's because it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think that's being kind. Yeah. Um, you know, doing a, doing a, a, a running riff tracks of Battlefield Earth is, I think, I appeal. think we could do something like that. And Amazer uh, says, uh, father and son are there in Dallas tonight, hunkering down with the old school Dearborn space heaters. Hey, and we've got yeah. I almost I almost dragged out the you know the two hurricane lanterns, the oil lanterns mm-hmm. that we used on Randolph Carter, right? Because yeah. I still have those, and I thought you know I could pull those out, light them, just turn all the lights off, and save some power. But then I thought there's not enough ventilation down here. I'd probably suffocate myself. So. Yeah, be be careful there. Yes. So anyway, yeah, so here uh, because. Because the guidelines from the, the power company are basically use as little power as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, there are more lights on in this apartment right now <laughs> than there have been on all day. Uh, I have been I have been cheerfully sitting in the dark with my uh, yeah. <laughs> just the computer screen is my illumination for most of the day. Well, and I've normally we've got all the lights on here in the studio uh, because mm-hmm. because Mindy's Mindy's desk and work area is over on that side of the of the room, and right now that's off. All of the lights and the rest of the of the the lower level space is off, and um, I've. This this one little space of light, and everything else is off. So yeah, we're making adjustments here. Hopefully, we won't have an issue. So. Right, and and there a lot of this was for here anywhere, and certainly again places like like Dallas where they're actually seeing power being out out, and for quite a period of time. Um, this is more of a warning. There were some places that had their power shut off for about a half an hour or an hour today. Mm-hmm. Um, but a significant chunk of the city has not had its power turned off. Yeah. So fingers crossed that, and you know what, if, uh, if they turn off my power in the middle of the night for half an hour, um, well, I'm that's... seeing, I'm seeing 30 to 60 minutes or more. Oh, well, so, so there is that. <sighs> so anyway, It's all cold. It's very cold. All right. So, That's right. so Battlefield Earth is not what we're going to be talking about tonight. Although uh, uh, that is that is uh, toward the top of the list now for the watch parties. Um, <laughs> last weekend, well, this past weekend, two days ago, this Saturday, uh, this past right, Saturday, yep. we got news uh, last last week, and we reported it on Saturday that there's going to be a new animated. TV series based on the board game Clue. This is in addition to the movie reboot that has been kicking around for what now four-ish years, or as something long like as that? they keep threatening us with it and never actually delivering, I'm fine. Yeah, kind of like the Akira reboot, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and and we have that, and then prior to that. We got word that we're getting a live-action heist movie set in the underground hip-hop world of Atlanta based on the game Uno. Because, of course, Uno, underground hip-hop heist movie. Well, considering the fact that if you take the game Uno and consider it for the briefest of moments... You realize you could tell a story in any genre with because it doesn't matter because none of them fit. Yeah, so I figure right. I figure a hip hop heist movie, I'm completely on board because it's <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, it's not gonna make a lick of sense I know. Like, tie into the game Uno. What in the world are they, they well and there's a rapper there's a rapper named 
Lil Yachty. Mm-hmm. Like yacht is I'm in not familiar with this rapper. Ri- rich person's boat yacht with a Y mm-hmm. on the end. And I've never heard of him either. I don't know who it is. But apparently he's on board also as a producer and might star. And I'm thinking, um, is did this guy play play a lot of Uno when he was growing up and he's got this affinity for the game or something? I mean, how do you how do you go from Uno to heist movie and hip hop? I mean, Mindy's Mindy's pointing out we've got the FP with the dance dance uh, revolution type of stuff, gang warfare in the future. So you could do something like that. Yeah, but the FP is keenly aware. And folks, if you haven't seen the FP, we highly encourage you to do that. It is a <laughs> yeah. very entertaining movie. And that I mean that completely seriously. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we had, a, we had a great time watching it. It is. And maybe we should um, do a watch party on that one too. That would be fun. The the problem with you know the, the something like the FP, you're dealing with something that is clearly meant to be silly. And clearly meant to be over the top. And if if there's a, you know, if the Uno movie is meant to be a hip-hop heist comedy, great. Sure. <laughs> Run with it. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do this because clearly they're going to and they're not listening to me anyway. Yeah. But I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my head around it. I am too. I'm just like, well, I have a tough time with all of these. I mean, when they announced Battleship... Um, and that at least has a scenario from which you can build a story. It's, you know, one Navy against another Navy and, you know, they're, they're firing back and forth and trying to sink each other's ships. And, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it's, you know, essentially it's, you know, playing out World War II games. And when they introduced the alien concept in the middle of it and and actually included the pegs as the as the projectile weapons i thought okay we've jumped the sh- where is the where is the shark that was jumped well okay so the the, the here's uh, so on a scale of bad <laughs> uh because while so while Battleship looks like it was made by the same people who made the Transformers movies, because, you know, it pretty much was. Sure. And it's the same kind of, we we don't know how to design things without making them look like gray blobs. But the, to be perfectly honest, I thought I was more entertained by Battleship than I was most of the Transformer movies entirely. Yeah. So there's a there's a low bar here. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Transformers films at all. I think they're they're Mike Michael Bay just Michael made big thing go boom. That's the entire Michael Bay over. Uh, yeah. But but you know it works so well for The Rock. Well, I mean yeah. that's a, that's that's he's a made fun one movie. and a half good movies. Yeah, he's it's it's The Rock and the first half of the first Bad Boys film. <laughs> It falls apart after about the second half, yeah. um, and then of course, I've never there watched. Sequels, but I've never watched those. The first, I, the first Bad Boys film is entertaining. It's a buddy cop movie. It's a very much it's a, that genre, and yeah. it fits in it very well. But anyway, the the problem with Battleship is that if it existed without the game, it would be a middling science fiction, alien invasion, military fights the monsters movie. Right. And it would hardly be the first of them to be, oh, this is a thing that is an adequate way to kill an hour and a half on a Sunday afternoon when you're snowed in or or frozen Mm -hmm. stiff or whatever. But the question is, you know, Why make it a, you know, we're adapting Battleship into a movie and then we make this thing. It's just like, okay, but you didn't. You didn't adapt Battleship the game into a movie because Battleship the game is 
two pieces of plastic that are little clamshell things with little pegs and it doesn't have it doesn't have aliens there even there the electronic version, aliens in the game it even the electronic version doesn't have aliens i'm 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 disappointed well you know clearly that is a a a shortfall in the creators of the games if the, <laughs> the game if they had realized the importance of adding aliens to things yeah uh, Back in what the seventies when the game came some, out, something or like that. Well, I mean, you know, um, Star Wars was a thing. I mean, you could have put aliens in everything at the time after Star Wars came out, no, and you would have been fine. Uh, but on on the scale of on the scale of bad board game to movie adaptations, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sing the praises of Battleship. It's got some real problems. It's relentlessly dumb, uh, <laughs> but it's. You know, I fully expect all of these to be relentlessly dumb. I mean, how do you how do you do this? <laughs> you know, how do you make these adapt? These okay, but fair enough. And so here's the thing, here's the thing you have to keep in mind. People said you're going to make a movie based on the board game Clue. And admittedly, this was pre-internet, so yeah. it was it was a lot quieter. Sure, um, there but wasn't it, there wasn't quite the outrage of that uh, you know. That yeah, but the again, us. you've got a you've got a game that lends itself to a story scenario. You have a well, murder you, mystery. You're trying to solve the murder mystery. You have characters, and you have that. But in that retrospect, kind of thing, in retrospect, so. yeah, it works out really, really well. But the idea of what you know here's the board game which is a murder mystery and you and you try and solve the murder mm-hmm. and yet you have this screwball comedy <laughs> this this you know in, exquisitely crafted well it's the I, only it's, way you make it work it is it is one of the greatest you know modern comedies the fact that they produced that out of you know um, that's a credit to the writers. So, so to say that you can't adapt, create a, a good movie out of a board game, you can, but you got to have a really fantastic writing team, no matter what you do, because whatever inspires your movie, yeah, you know, sure, all kinds of things can inspire a story. They don't, they don't, they don't necessarily have to make any sense, but where these are, these are things that are being billed as adaptations of these of these games, and it's just like. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, so I'm getting. I'm going to turn that off a little bit. We're getting some, some lag, on some of this. So I'm I'm going to uh, make an adjustment there. See what happens. Okay, so uh, uh, Robert Robert Heinsohn in the in the chat. Bobbit, the limited series coming to Quibi. Mm. I mean, Quibi's gone, but you could do it to Hulu, maybe. I Didn't think, Hulu I think it, pick up it, the Quibi it, shows? No, we can send it to we can send it to Quibi. <laughs> I do like Mindy's idea of hungry, hungry hippos mm, because mm-hmm. hippos are actually really, really violent creatures. Yeah, and uh, that actually would be a you could do that as a as a horror film. It's 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 got as much solidity in storytelling as making another Anaconda movie. Well, right? you could do I mean, it. There were, what, you could three do three Anaconda films, four, oh, something like that. But you could do it Jumanji style, where yeah, so Jum- Jumanji is interesting because, of course, Jumanji was never actually a board game, right? It's a movie about a fictional board game, which is based on a book about a fictional board game. <laughs> and if you've never actually, I mean, if you've only seen the films and haven't checked out the the actual book it's based on. Mm-hmm. Um, it and other books by Chris Van Allsburg, but a very, very, you know, well, he did Zathura as well. Yeah. Which, which it's of course was also adapted thing. into a film. Yeah. But didn't necessarily, didn't have the same, uh, impact as Jumanji that we're actually getting sequels to this day. Right. Um, but I mean, that's. But uh, for Hungry Hungry Hippos, you, the way you could set that up is that. The modern day version is a dumbed down kids version of the ancient cursed voodoo version that they stumbled across and they've buried it. 
but they went ahead and made the kids' version because it's safe and not cursed. But somebody actually finds the original and is like, wait a minute, this looks like Hungry Hungry, hungry Hippo, and they all get sucked into the game. And they're chased by Hungry Hungry Hippos. See, I would just go straight, just do this, do the whole, the connection is purely cosmetic. <laughs> and <laughs> it's an expedition. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a tour down sure. some some river and of course the, the something goes wrong with the boat and they're you know they're attacked by by hippos and they're trapped in the boat and the hippos are coming for them and just make it like a little siege thing with hippos um and it sounds funny but again hippos are ex- they are large animals that do a significant amount of damage yeah if you played it straight the problem is is that you would then have someone You'd have to have someone say, the hippos are hungry. They're hungry, <laughs> hungry hippos. And they're, you know, hysterically, of course. That's the only way it works. Uh-huh. <clears throat> or, or you build it instead of, um, instead of, you know, one person says it. Then you have one person say hungry, one person say hungry, and the other person points and yells, hippos! And you build, you build to it. <coughs> you know, I, see, <laughs> see, this is actually, with that, I would actually go straight creature horror, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's, it's man versus nature. Because um, I think you could actually just do it that way if you, if you Directed must. in the style of John Huston. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you must go down this path, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have committed to this terrible idea, then at least sit there and say, let's make the best version of this that we could possibly. See, Mindy keeps dropping stuff in there. Duck, duck, goose is like, um, <laughs> I think I think there is a, a J-horror version of duck, duck, goose to be made. Where basically it's a little evil girl in the Japanese horror style. Oh, yes. yes. Who's behind you. And you can't see her going through and tapping you all on your heads until <laughs> she chooses the goose. And your goose is well and truly cooked. That's right. Yeah. So uh, see, Robert- this is a thing you could. This is a thing you could run with. Um, again, she, because you can do a thing, does not mean you should do a thing. Yes. Now, uh, Robert uh, is talking about um, um, Stranger Things kind of being uh, along the lines of like D&D and that kind of thing. I don't know. I have not watched that show yet. It's on my list mm. of things to catch up on. Um, so, but it's, you've got that, you've got Starfleet Battles, you know, D&D, Car Wars, all of these all came out at the same time from Steve Jackson Games and TSR and, and boy, mm. man, those are, those are names we haven't heard in a while. Um, but is is Stranger Things based on any kind of a game? I, don't, not, I didn't think it was. Exactly. It's kind of it's, it, there's galore. influences there. Yeah, there's influences there because you have because it's influenced really by the time period. I mean, it's it's very much an '80s kind of thing, and so there's the, we have talked about the downside of nostalgia-based programming on the show before. Yeah. But Stranger Things, Stranger Things is an example of people who are doing it pretty well. And because they're do they're you know they're evoking a time and a uh, uh, a kind of entertainment and an entire kind of world that builds out of that entertainment, right? Um. So yeah, I mean, there's D and I'd say D and D factors into there to some degree. Oh, I mean, speaking of which, because we had the news about the casting, because uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Justice Smith have been added to the cast for the D and D movie mm. that stars Chris Pine. And I have to wonder if they're going to reference the cartoon at all. Because if you look at how the cast is lining up so far, mm-hmm. you could have Chris Pine as the ranger with the magic bow and arrow. You have Thank Justice you. Smith as the wizard kid because he's smaller and he's younger. You know, he's he's small of stature. I don't think he would fit the paladin character that much. Probably the probably the the wizard. Mm-hmm. And then you have Michelle Rodriguez, who's probably going to replace because they're going to ginger side the redhead thief. 
And because like that's what they do now in the movies, they always replace the gingers. So the ginger thief would be Michelle Rodriguez. And then you have whoever is going to play uh, the the other characters. They still have yet to be added. But you got to have a kid in there for the for the barbarian kid. But it it it's at least beginning to look like it's lining up to the cartoon. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case or not. Uh, you know, I think that there's there's some, some risks basing it on the cartoon because again, you're looking at the the dangers of hitting the nostalgia mm-hmm. route. Um, there's such a wealth of material to make for a D and D movie. Yeah, the trick is the trick is is they just can't talk about which edition it is because <laughs> there first, are just do first edition. <laughs> just go back to the basics. The, the 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 amount of and some of it's very good natured mm. I'm, I'm really kind of impressed with the fact that you have this like you know people have their various D editions that they are just huge fans of and there's disagreements which are which are better yeah. but I've actually seen some like back and forths where there it's it sounds like they're getting right up to the edge of just vitriolic rage. <laughs> And then they sit there and back away and they're laughing with each other because it's like they recognize that it's like, uh-huh. you know, so that's a, and I'm sure there are folks who, who are awful because it's, it's a problem with it's fandom, a fandom overall. Yeah. But at the same time, there seems to be a lot of good natured ribbing going on there that I think is dear, dear other fandoms. Uh, take a look <laughs> at the D and D folks who, you know, can, can pick on each other without actually being horrid. Uh, at least, well, Some of the ones that I've seen. And, I, without, you know. and without getting too deep in the weeds off on a tangent here, <clears throat> I wonder how much of that, if you, if you talk about the, you know, the D&D fandom not descending down into dumpster fire violent rhetoric, could that be partly because they still kind of I don't want to say gatekeep, but not too many other people want to crash the party so much with D&D. And you have the people who play D&D, um, and there's not, there's not as much normal people who want to get into D&D. Because if, if they get into D&D, they get interested in it, they either don't like it or they like it and they play it. And, and there's, not, there's not so much the, the casual... Well, okay. Out yeah, on is, the periphery, it is, fan. It is hard to be a casual <clears throat> RPG yeah. game player. I mean, it's it's something you enjoy or you don't, and you. But it's also a very social thing. So so much so much of what we do, and I think a lot of fandom. I think part of the problem with some of the stuff we we encounter with with fandoms is that unless you're going to the movies with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're watching this stuff at home, you're probably watching it by yourself. If you're playing video games, you're probably playing them by yourself. If you're reading comics, if you're reading, you know, a novel, whatever. So much of this stuff, D&D and, and RPGs and like it, whether it's something like D&D or Car Wars or Starfleet Battles or a whole lot of this stuff, is that it is, um, it's a social thing. Yeah. You're hanging out with friends doing it. So... I think there's some there's some benefit to that. I mean the there's although I have seen some D&D guilds just completely implode because reasons, you know, you have personality Oh sure, there's always something. I mean there's no the game, but there's no question that there are there are people people can suck the joy out of any fandom if you give them a moment yeah. because human beings are terrible. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm seeing some really interesting stuff over on the the Twitch is doing some funky things. Yeah, so That's... is YouTube. Oh so... wow. Well, I know is YouTube lagging? No, we're getting like uh, uh, fascinating. We're actually pixelating like an old uh, uh, an old bad video <laughs> game. Um, Oh, in fact, we might wow. we might actually be having the the VCR treatment happening over here to some degree. Oh, that's okay. Our tracking is off. Um, so anyway, um, so anyway, so, uh, speaking of 
what was the other thing? Because many had mentioned, uh, we were talking about D&D. No, you, you mentioned the risks involved in doing some of these, mm-hmm. uh, which opens things up for me to mention risk is another movie that we're getting based on the game. And I don't know how they're going to do this one. I have an idea. Okay. So this, were it me, if someone came to me and said, Tim, we're going to make a movie based on the board game risk. We have no idea how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Save us. (laughs) Here's how I would save them. So what you do is you do a, okay, big budget picture. Big budget picture, all right? This is this is not going to be something you can just knock off here. This is like, you know, this is uh, Avengers-level budget money, right? Because this is how you'd have to do it. You'd basically do it as an 18, 1800s alternate universe story. Because if you play the game of, play the game of Risk, it's a world war that's every continent and it's basically army against army as opposed to how we deal, we would deal with modern warfare. Right. And you don't want to necessarily make a world war two movie unless you just want to make a risk movie that is essentially a world war two movie, but to make it fun for me, because you know, this is my idea. Um, do it as an 1800s, you know, big, you know, the, the big armies of, of soldiers and, and the ships and, and naval warfare and, you know, lean into the sort of that master and commander kind of thing that we almost got with, you know, um, the Russell Crowe movie, which was yeah. in theory supposed to be the beginning of a franchise and just kind of, but treat it like an alternate universe. I mean, just kind of lean into it. And I think you could, you don't necessarily need to do like a, uh, I mean, you could do it with a fantasy element, <clears throat> but I think it would be kind of fun to just sit there and go, nope, alternate history and just run with it. Yeah. Um, I uh, think that would be cool. Personally, I think I'd, I'd have a great time watching it. Yes, uh, Robert, um, it would be kind of a seven years war movie. Well, the other the other vari- variation on that could be kind of like a Harry Turtledove type of mm-hmm. scenario where you're right. in, well, you could jump various different timelines and 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 universes and kind of a slider style thing but you could also go hunger games where you project forward into the future where you have all of these different territories are now after the big one and they're all at each other's throats so you could do it that way too yeah it's i mean there's there's a certain potential there i mean i think it's again it's really kind of awkward yeah when you i mean and in fairness, most of the stuff we tend to look at as sort of science fiction and fantasy horror, of course, is well rooted in this as well, because every single movie that has a Ouija board in it <laughs> or in the title is based on a board game. Yeah. And for if you're not familiar with the great terror of the Ouija board and how the things that <laughs> happened. Um, just a reminder, folks, um, this was a board game first. Yep. It was manufactured as a board game. It was sold as a board game. It's not possessed. It's a toy. Except. <laughs> no, it's a toy. <laughs> well, and... You know, it, I I look and you know Robert says less less Hunger Games are better. I would I would tend to agree with that. I've read the books, I haven't seen any of the movies, oddly enough, but I read the books and I thought, okay, this is yeah, all right, fine, whatever. Um, but I'm tired of of the dystopian future setting. I am too. And, you know the the post apocalyptic whatever disaster befell us and now we have to pick ourselves up because civilization has collapsed and and all that other stuff we've seen through massive hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and now a plague that civilization does not collapse in on itself when these things happen so the 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 realistic expectations for such a story are 
virtually nil. I mean, they're not they're not mm. realistic at all to project forward and say, you know, one massive disaster or whatever, and the weeds are taking over and vegetation grows back because everything is gone. And, and like, we're we're I don't think we're we're going to get there anytime. Sure. Well, interestingly enough, and this is another show we could do, uh, because the origins of the dystopian future were, in some cases, built out of, you look at like Wells, H.G. Wells looking at dystopian futures. He was looking at various aspects of British society mm-hmm. or or politics or, or wars and saying this yeah. could happen. And we get into some of the, the concerns of overpopulation um, or, or food shortages and, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people, some writers would, ran with it. And, and, of course, nuclear war was, a, was a, a big trigger for a lot of that nuclear, the threat of nuclear weapons. Right. But as we have gotten past a lot of this, we're not in a population uh, you know, we're, we're not in any danger of, of overpopulating the earth. Food scarcity is an issue, but it's a one that we, people are, are making efforts to deal with. And there's all these, we're, we're finding solutions to these issues that people didn't foresee. And so the idea that, you know, we're going to take it this far and it's like, Oh, and then this is going to happen. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. But well, and it's like that uh, that um, that book about the population. What was it? The population bomb or something like that? Mm-hmm. Back in the back, what early seventies, talking about right. how overpopulation was going to destroy the planet. And again, you know, it's one of those things. It doesn't take into the fact. It doesn't take into account uh, uh, technological innovations, agricultural innovations. You know, the the advances that we have not only in uh, the machines that we use on farms, but also the way that we farm and the kind of, you know, the seeds even, you know, whether mm-hmm. they're, whether they're, you know, crossbred or, or overbred or genetically in, in engineered or whatnot. You have all of these different things that now, plus, you know, medicine being the way it is and, you know, all, all of these different things that factor in overpopulation, I don't think is ever going to really be a thing as much as people used to make out that it was going to be a thing. Sure. But it, it's the basis for a lot of science fiction stuff. You look at, you look at uh, a lot of Isaac Asimov's, uh, the human empire moving off from earth that was mm-hmm. driven by overpopulation. Yeah. And, and this is, this is stuff that people really, really saw as being a real risk. And I think that, um, you know, there's, I'm not saying it's not a concern because, you know, it's a crazy world, but there's also the, the fact that for a long time, and I think that some of this was really driven at a time we were still doing this when the more of a technological society we've gotten and the more our kids actually live, mm-hmm. um, there was a real period of, of, human history where you had very large families for one very good reason. Yeah. And there you, you either, well, two reasons you, they were either employees essentially. Um, and they were essentially disposable. And I, it, it's, it's a hard thing for us to get our minds around because we think of our, you know, we, how we, how we feel about our, our children. I think, you know, we love our kids, right? Yeah. Uh, but there was a time when, you know, the expectation that that dying in childbirth or 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 not living to see, you know, a, adulthood was a very normal and tragic and horrible thing, and it yeah. happened all the time. Well, and that and that kind of you know that goes back to the whole you know advances in medicine and and healthcare and and that sort of Ooh. thing. Plus, plus, you know, uh, the quality of the water supply. Uh, your food supply, all all of the different things that factor into it. So to to look at something like risk and try to imagine a scenario where those territories exist, you're right. It either has to be alternate re, uh, an alternate timeline 
or you've got to go project far into the future. Mm-hmm. Not even maybe not even dystopian future mid 21st century or 22nd century, but go even further than that. You know, 23rd, 24th century or, or 25th century and do a crossover with Buck Rogers. You know? so that's why I'd like to that's why I want to go back into the past with it. Because the technology, once you once you move forward to the point where unless you're in dystopia where your technology is locked mm-hmm. or it's fallen back to to pre science fiction levels essentially, you're stuck with and now we bring out the ray gun and disintegrate the army and it's over. <laughs> and we go home. You know, I li- just, you know I what like, I mean? Yeah, I like the idea of risk being a steampunk movie. I think I think you could do it steampunk. I think that again, an alternate history, wild wild west, eighteen hundreds or nineteen hundreds, and just run with it. Yeah, but no, no, not the wild wild west movie, wild wild west TV show. No, no, let's not. <laughs> we we don't need to go there. Yeah, um, because uh, uh, yeah, Robert makes a point here. I think I, I always think of the line in Lord of the Rings: "It is an unnatural thing to see the death of a child." I think Theoden is told that medieval parents were used to kids doing the dirt nap, and and he's right. It you know, as as technology advances, as civilization advances, there is fewer concerns about that. Although it is still uh, it, it is still an away. issue, it doesn't go away. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I I I I'm leaning I'm leaning toward agreeing with you on that one. Go go back to the past in an alternate timeline. I think that's the not best only way to that. Do it. I'm sick. I'm, I'm tired of dystopias too. Yeah. I mean, bring if if you've got a cool dystopia idea, by all means, tell your story. But please do something new and interesting because <laughs> I'm tired. I, there's so much of it. I'm yeah. Well, and a quick technical note: I'm still seeing some warnings, and I know we're probably getting a little bit of lag. We are using. I've gone back. Because we're going to both YouTube and Twitch, I'm using Restream like we used to. Mm-hmm. And then I have another widget that's letting me send it to Facebook. So more than likely what I'm going to end up having to do is adjust the bit rate at, at the Restream point. Because I think it's getting choked there. So just oh, just a, okay. a little inside baseball technical note there. Uh, if we have lag... That's why. Of course, if you're listening to this as a podcast, there is no lag. So, you know, there is there is that bonus. Uh, but we're uh, hopefully hopefully going to make it through here uh, without too much grief and strife. So so uh, in in the chat, we did mention uh, I think I can't remember if it was who it was. It might have been might have been Robert talking about it, asking if there was a shoots and ladder games or we talked about this. We. I have distinct memories of somebody saying they were there was going to be a snakes and ladders. Snakes and ladders is the original game. Mm. The shoots and ladders is the American uh, Americanized version. I had heard this was going to happen. I cannot find any reference to it, so I don't I can't know. Either. I did find and, we did we did find a 1959 television show game show based on the board game. Right, but there's there's they're talking about a, a movie adaptation, and it sounds like I, you know I I. There's something you could make it as a as a horror film where it's you well. Know. There is that there is that horror film called Snakes and Ladders from what was it 2016? We found that, but it doesn't Which have we, any I, I have resemblance not seen, at all. So we can't can't say, but it doesn't seem to be. Yeah, it's not yeah, just from the game. just from the description, you know, involving time travel and and tracking down the 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 murderer of the girlfriend before the girlfriend gets murdered. That doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like shoots and ladders. Not the last time. I mean, it's been a while since I've played the game. I yeah. mean, it was something I did when I was a kid. But although, I, you know, I, okay, now that I think on it just a little bit. <laughs> consider that when you hit the shoot it takes you back to a prior point in the game so essentially it is kind of time travel because you go back to earlier and have to do it over again so you could you could do that maybe, maybe this maybe this movie is based on the game loosely we'll have to dig a little more into that um, so yeah it's it's I, I don't know. I mean, there's. I realize I realize that, like I said, 
people get ideas from all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But the argument against Hollywood running out of story ideas mm-hmm. is not helped <laughs> by going to board games. No. And I'm not saying you can't, again, you have something like Clue, and if you want to, you can even riff on something like the the, the musical Chess. Sure. Right? This is a hugely popular musical. Uh, the, the Murray Head song, One Night in Bangkok, was a, was a hit. Uh, and it still holds up as a song. And you know, it's about playing the game of chess. It chess is a board game. Yes. And but it's well, about there's it's there's a, uh, was it Queen's Gambit? Yeah, on, Queen's Gambit uh, was I mean, it on on Queen. Netflix? Yeah. But chess also has a weight to it in terms of how when we look at gaming, mm-hmm. there's a history to chess. It's it's you know it's built up as this, um, you know. It's the game of kings, or something. It's the game yeah. of kings, yeah. And but it's hardly the only. I'm looking at this list of. Oh, oh, oh! That reminds me. I we we talked about this before. I told you I had a story, and that's that's mm-hmm. an opportunity since we mentioned chess. When I was in the second grade, we put on a play. There were there were five. It was a private school. There were five of us in the second grade class. Mm. And we put on a play called Knots and Crosses. And Knots huh? is sure. spelled K-N-A-U-G-H-T. Knots as in knight, uh, 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 knots, you know, right. n- knots. And the play essentially was a couple of aristocrats planning their garden. And deciding through their uses of X's and O's the layout of the garden. And knots okay. and crosses is the origin of the tic tac toe game. And I played the Chamberlain. I was not the lead, unfortunately, which means that I didn't get to play opposite the girl on which I had a crutch. On whom I had a crush. Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. She actually <laughs> ended up in college at, at SMU. She actually ended up on a on a game show at one point. The, her it was a it was college college week mm-hmm. or something. I don't even remember what the game was, but she posted something over on Facebook the other day. She was like, "Hey, look at this! Remember this?" But yeah, knots and crosses: the origin of tic tac toe in the second grade. So you could do that. You could uh, you, you could make I a short at least a short movie out of that. Well, and there's also some stuff. I mean, you look at the, so the uh, the Turk, the uh, um, back oh three hundred years ago maybe now. Uh, there a little was before a, my time. The a little bit, <laughs> um, the Mechanical Turk. It was a. Um, it was billed as an automaton that played chess. Hmm. And so it was the, it was a, a cabinet and the top half of it, it was the, like the waist up and the arms of a, of a man in a turban. So an Ottoman, right? So right. the Ottoman empire. And you would play with this machine and it would beat you at chess. Now, was this mechanical Turk based in built in Istanbul or Constantinople? Uh, well, it was actually built. I can't remember where it was built, but it was in neither of those places, and it was an elaborate fraud. Uh, inside the cabinet mm. was usually a very small, uh, well, under average height, very very talented chess player who would move the chess pieces by way of magnets. Mm. But for years, it and and and, strict, and all things considered, it was an extremely effective fake. Yeah, I mean, in terms of a clockwork machine, uh, machine in terms of a, a something that fooled people for a very long time, uh, it was extremely effective, and it was an incredible piece of technology. The guy who invented it 
um, also went on, I can't remember his name. He also went on to try and invent a speaking, an artificial speaking machine. He wanted to make a mechanical version of like the larynx and the tongue, mm-hmm. which was described as being absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and he actually featured in, in one of the horror podcasts that I listened to, the Magnus Archives, um, where the Mechanical Turk was at the base, the core of a um, uh, mystical ceremony that would open the doors of reality and bring in extra-dimensional nastiness. Well, of course, um, because well, of course. that's what you do with Mechanical Turks. But I think you could do something like that, where you could sit yeah. there and, you know, some of these games, and as much as it's fun to, to laugh about these things, you could actually turn this stuff into the basis of an actually interesting story. Yeah. This is not what happens when we get a film like, say, Battleship. Um, <laughs> but it is something when you get something like Clue. I mean, Clue was, when you think about it, the fact that Clue they, they is made that work. so funny. But see, the thing about it is, though, and again, you go back to the characters that are in the, in the game. They, auto, they automatically lend themselves. You have the, the building blocks for a story already built into the game. Whereas with Battleship, you don't because you don't have any characters. You don't have any story. It's just ships trying to blow up the other ships. And well, not only that, but you could do Battleship. So again, were they to come to me, they never come <laughs> to me to get these things. They never, they never ask my opinion out in Hollywood. They don't know who I am. That's, that's why. Tis a shame. Uh, but tis a shame. See, I would do like a World War II um, hunter and destroyer kind of story. Oh, sure. Where you would have literally, you know, somebody there, there, and and you'd have to you'd have to get yourself into like you know a weird place. But you could do it like you know where you can't you literally cannot see the other person. Where but you're they've trapped in a giant of, fog bank. Or, yeah, but they've or done something. that already. It's called Balance of Terror. It was an episode of Star Trek. Or it was the tail end of Wrath of Khan. Yeah, you know. I, so, but it's that would be that would be a fairly close adaptation. You could do that where it just didn't they do that kind of thing with Das Boot? Oh yeah, yeah. But so, that's yeah, actually said in World War Two. So there's that. Okay, there. There's your battleship adaptation, folks. Go watch Das Boot. Yes, Jurgen Prochnow, uh, fantastic cast, and, and watch it uh, with the subtitles. Oh, please watch it with the subtitles. <laughs> it is such, and it's such an immersive movie that way. Uh, it's it's so well shot that if yeah. you sit sit in the dark with the subtitles on mm-hmm. and the and the volume turned up, and just let yourself feel that movie, it's a great film. There, there should be. We we've talked about every now and again. We've talked about the different uh, uh, double features type that yeah. we could do. We could do a Jurgen Park now. Uh, double feature we could do Das Boat and, and The Seventh Sign. Seventh Seal. See, Seventh Seal. He, that's, uh, that's actually... Um, that, that would actually be a really good double feature. The Seventh Sign. I had it read mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah, and The Seventh Sign is actually a very, very solid mm, religious horror film. Mm-hmm. I would I would recommend that actually as well. There's there's there are there are some terrifying thoughts here. There was a Candyland movie called the Candyland: The Great Lollipop Lollipop Adventure. Yes, and they haven't they been talking about doing another one? They're they're talking about doing another one, aren't they? So the, the live action version has been in development for so long. I. Th- think adam sandler was involved with it at one point yes oh yes that's his... right because there was a lawsuit because i was just i was just reading about this apparently there was a lawsuit at some point and i and past that i can't find anything anywhere that uh, anybody's doing anything what is hamish after back there i don't he's know. looking up at something hey <laughs> what? Here. so He's when the heater something. runs, there's it moves it moves things around, right? The heat oh, the sure. heating the heating 
ducks are all at the top of the ceiling. Right. And so stuff moves around. And if there's a little bit of, you know, yep. what, what, oh, great, <laughs> the great tragic cat, come here. Mindy's what, asking, oh, Mindy's asking, was there ever a mousetrap movie? Um, I don't think there was based on the game. There was a movie called Mousetrap, but it's not based on the game. Right. And then there was The Great American Mouse Detective, but that didn't have anything to do with traps. Or, well, not Mousetrap like the game. Um, yeah, Robert says, was, wasn't Mousetrap an Agatha Christie novel? Was it, is, that, is that the Agatha Christie story, Mousetrap? While you're looking that up, uh, uh, as far as a Twister movie, um, I'm not sure that would be in all ages. And I think it's been done. Um, I'm pretty sure that you can go to certain websites on the internet and probably, probably find probably. Uh, adaptations of that game. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I would recommend such no. a thing. Yes, Mousetrap is a play by Agatha Christie. Okay. Yep. Um, and it has been a video game as well, uh, which is apparently um, now similar it's... to Pac-Man. What? There is a video game called Mousetrap that is basically Pac-Man, except it's a mouse. Never heard of that. Well, I and then of course imagine... you've got your, your video game movies. We do all this all the time, but that I've never heard of a game, a video game called Mousetrap. Yeah, it was um, from Colico. Remember them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in television, and Atari Twenty Six Hundred actually had versions of it. Really, um, man! I, rem- I remember the jingle. I remember the jingle for Activision for your Intellivision. It was considered unsuccessful because it was, uh, and I quote, "as basically another maze game." <laughs> so there you go. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I well. A movie based on Operation, another suggestion here from Mrs. Boss, that would probably be a horror movie as well. Um, they made that. They called it Saw. <laughs> well, any, and, uh, any movie that involves, you know, pulling out organs, you know, oh. that, that's, a, that's a body horror movie right there. Yeah, there's all kinds of body horror stuff in there. And, and well, actually, that film's been made a lot. Mm. They called it Coma. They called it Saw. They yeah. called it... I mean, there's, there's been a bunch of these. Yeah. So, um, and quite frankly... Um, house? Robert well, says you know, house. I, I, I think you would lose something if the buzzer went off on a regular basis and something like that. I mean, it <laughs> seems like it would be a little distracting. Yeah. Well, so. um, now, the, the horror movie House... With William William Cott was in House Two. Was that based on anything? No, that was that was an original. Okay, all right. Um, house House and is there House a... Two, the second story, which is a very clever title. Uh huh. Yes. Um, I think playing House sometimes can get you in trouble. Can be a horror story in and of itself. But I've never seen a board game called it's House. Actually... Well, okay, not called House, but there have been some interesting, you know, the Game of Life. Yes. Um, Monopoly. You and I discussed the fact that, uh, quite frankly, the if you're going to watch a show called Life, you should watch the TV show called mm-hmm. Life that ran for, was it, what, was it one or two seasons? I, you uh, know, I want to say two, but I, I don't, I don't know that about that. That was actually really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw... Um, Oh, uh, it's gone now. Never mind. No, it's okay. These things will happen. Now you can't, if you actually want to see some, you know, there are, there are nonfiction films about games. There have been a number of films about the history of games in general. Um, There's films about, Monopoly as a game, of course, Monopoly or how to tick off the rest of your family. Uh-huh. How to Ruin Holidays uh, is playing well, Monopoly. There is a movie, and it's not based on a board game, but it's about, it's a fiction. It's not a true story. But it's about 
the development of a recreational item. Mm -hmm. It's called the Hudsucker Proxy. Yes, 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 yes. It is a Mm -hmm. very good movie. It is complete fiction telling the story of the origin of the hula hoop. Uh, Tim Robbins was in it. Tim Robbins is in it. Paul Newman's in it. Jennifer Jason Lee doing an excellent impression of Catherine Hepburn. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, would agree, yes. I don't know that she's deliberately doing an impression of Catherine Hepburn, but she's doing Catherine Hepburn. It, okay, it's so uncanny. there's another double feature for you. You do you do the Hudsucker Proxy and the Majestic. There's a double feature. Or the Hudsucker Proxy and the Player. That would work too. As a Tim Robbins double bill. Now, the Tim Robbins well, double feature, but the, the now, Majestic do, is is one of uh, that's Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey's serious roles. Yeah, uh, early on serious roles. I think it came. I want to say it came out after the Truman Show, but I'm not sure the order. Yeah, and it was, um, but it's also set in about the same time period. It's post World War II. Sure. Um, uh, was it? Was it? Origin of the Frisbee? Robert says Frisbee. I had the hula hoop. I might have that wrong. I, it's I the can't hula remember. Hoop. Is it? Yeah, you, I don't yeah because the, the poster art is him standing there. with it. It's on around his waist. Okay. Oh, yeah, with the hula yeah. hoop. Yeah. Um, the other one, if you're going to do that time period, you could throw the Rocketeer in as a, as a third just for you know dessert because that's the now fun they one. Say, they say that we're, we've heard before that they're talking about a reboot of The Rocketeer. I'm hearing a sequel. I'm on board with the sequel. I don't know how they do it, though, because you'd have to completely recast. Well, but the, here's the thing, is that the technology disappeared and is discovered by somebody now, Yeah, and that's how you do the sequel. And then you have, oh, I don't know, one or two actors show up as the <laughs> older mentors <laughs> and somehow find a way to have someone who's played by Timothy Dalton. Clearly not the same <laughs> character. That character is Clearly inspired. Not, yes. But because, you know, if you can't have Timothy Dalton come out and be evil, what's Except the point? you'd have to find somebody. Is, is it, Tiny Ron passed away. Yeah. Is, is Carl Striken still alive? He played Mr. Hom, and then he also played Lurch in, in at least one of the Adams Family's movies. I'm not sure. Um, I don't remember if he's still alive or not. It's, uh, um, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, Robert says the Hudsucker picture of the round circle was the first frisbee. Then the end of the second. At the end, he had a second idea for the hula hoop. I'll have to watch. You know, it's been so long since I've watched that movie. Um, I need to, I need to watch it again. It was a, it was a fun, fun picture. I'm not a big Tim Robbins fan, but that one, that one was pretty good. I thought, um, the other, the other thing you could do if you're going, doing the, the Tim Robbins double bill, you could do Hudsucker Proxy and, uh, Shawshank Redemption, which are completely different types of movies, but they're both excellent films. So. Uh, Eastland says solar babies. We can do a watch party for solar babies. Batteries not included. There's, mm, there's all sure. sorts of things. Well, I need to go back and look at the Amazon prime because the Amazon prime library is what we have access to right. for watch parties. So that opens up a number of possibilities. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> All right, well, we've gotten to our end of our hour, and we haven't lost power, so I think we're going to jump out before our luck changes. We're still having some some streaming signal issues, I think. Yeah, we're going to... I think it's a bit a bitrate thing here. So, uh, anyway, Robert Eastland, Robert, uh, who else has been in here? Was Mazerus in here earlier? I didn't see. Um, yeah. Mazerus... I see RJ from Critical Blast... Uh, uh, and let's see who else. I just want to make sure that I don't miss anybody. All right, looks like that's everybody that was in tonight. So thanks, everybody, for being here and contributing to the conversation. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, and next week, didn't we already figure out what our uh, what our topic was for next week? We, have, we had that plan, didn't we? We talked about this. What were we going to do next week? I don't remember. Oh, no, we had a plan. We had a plan. 
How and Super JLK just showed up. He's late, but he's here, and and we're done. So thanks for being here, everybody. <laughs> um, Welcome to the party. Hello, we must be going. Yes, that's right. All right, so tomorrow we will have another live from the bunker. I will have as my guest. Oh, let me get the book here. An author named Gary Ben Ben Gear. I'm I'm probably really messing that up. Unfettered Journey, his new book. It is about AI and the human spirit. And apparently it has, uh, it has some philosophical and metaphysical Ooh. aspects to it and some different things. He's a philosopher. He's a, 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 so it's going to be an interesting conversation. That's coming up at 1 p.m. tomorrow and Eastern. And then tomorrow night, we have a new salacious crumbs with uh, our latest Star Wars news. And I know we've had some some Star Wars news here of late <clears throat> that's being discussed all over the place. And that story continues to evolve and get more and more sideways, let's say. Um, because the, as, as information rolls out about different things, there are a lot of questions right now as to what, what exactly is going on over in the world of Star Wars. So we'll have the news tomorrow night and then, um, uh, new foreign bodies on Saturday, we hope, assuming that everybody still gets, you know, has their power and, uh, then, uh, good morning multiverse Saturday morning. So, uh, be here for all of that and then we'll do this again next week and we'll figure out a topic i know we had one we'll just have to have to remember just, remember okay. what it was we're getting up we're getting up in years we forget things but we usually finally wrote them down later so yeah, i i will look i will look all right Thanks, everybody, for being here. And uh, don't forget, on your way out, if you would, hit the thumbs up. If you are new to the channel, then uh, we do invite you to subscribe. If you haven't already, have your notifications turned on for the next time we put new content out. Uh, we are continuing to track events, and there are schedule changes, so we post updates on that frequently, in addition to all of the other seven shows that we produce here. So we stay busy, and uh, it's all for you. So thanks very much for being here. We will be back next week with more on the H2O podcast. Thanks, guys. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.